To Jelly Jam Spam. I'm Shroga Jingers Jam. And I'm Lebon Joel. And welcome to this week's episode, where we are reviewing one of my favourite books of all time, The Last Universe by William Slater. So the synopsis for this book is, uh, Susan and her wheelchair-bound brother Gary discover a garden at the back of their property that seemingly transports them to alternate realities. While Gary sees this as a potential cure, Susan worries that they may become lost forever. As far as I can tell, this book was actually received really positively, but it just kind of like disappeared into the ether of young adult fiction. Um, I read this at least once a year. I love it, even though it is one of the reasons why I am terrified to either fall into a parallel universe or time travel at all. Yeah, this book's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Um, critics seem to unanimously love the setting and the science behind it, but they find the characters relatable but boring, which I do... Uh, yeah, I understand that. Uh, but I guess we'll get into that as we go. Uh, so I guess the first question I want to ask, because this is one of the main things of the book, it's a science fiction thriller about quantum physics. Do you think this is a good introduction to quantum physics? I guess, um, I guess as an introduction, yes. And I guess one of its strong suits is that it's a short novel. Um, so the, um, it, a longer book would probably go into like way more detail. Um, so as an introduction, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I would say so. Do you have much of a background in like knowing quantum physics at all i'm not a physicist well so, besides yeah so no. <laughs> but like have you read any other books about quantum physics or you know some of the basic it depends. like it, it pops up in like certain types of media um but like no i wouldn't call myself like well versed it's not like i go and study it at all but but you know the basics behind schrodinger's cat oh yeah of course yeah 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 that would it's one of the it pops up later in the book uh but schrodinger's cat plays a really big uh, yeah, the the uh, idea being that you have a cat in the box with a vial of poison. It it it's presented in different ways. Mm -hmm. a, a vial of poison, and we'll cut out some middle steps here. But in until you access the bar, well, I, at some point the poison will release and it will kill the cat. Until you uh, observe the box, you will not know whether or not the cat is alive or dead. So it is simultaneously considered to be alive and dead at the same time. Mm. It, That's the yeah. general concept. Uh, so yeah, it's one of the, the more famous thought experiments when it comes to quantum physics. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of need to read more into it to get like what it's actually saying. But uh, yeah, I'd say this book is pretty, yeah, pretty good introduction to anyone who's like curious about it, but maybe not really into it. There's a, there's a big, there's, there's something that happened a few years ago, which is was pretty big in the scientific community. Uh, I'm not enough well read enough on it. To know much about it. I just know that theists like to use it in arguments for God, which is weird because I don't know how they correlate it to God. But um, 
observing that like there was a laser that that, that was observed that uh, changed its course. Does that make sense? Are you aware of this? No. Um, I would need to do reading to bring it up. I probably should have before we had this conversation. But so should I. <laughs> this is the thing. It, was, it, it basically um, accounts for randomness in the universe, um, what we usually call chaos theory. It, it's basically like here's an actual example of it happening. Um, while we're observing the thing, it acts one way. When we're not observing it, it acts another way. And that, that's something on the quantum level. People use this as an argument for God somehow, but... That's, that's basically where I hear it the most, because when I listen to those types of discussions. But yeah, like, um, but people usually misinterpret it. And I wouldn't, uh, the, the only reason I'm not going further into it is because I don't have the understanding to talk about it. So in, instead of presenting bad uh, arguments, like some people do, I'll just say, hey, I actually don't know what the hell this is at all. I'll let the uh, researchers talk about it themselves. Nice. Um, I definitely agree with you that, like, the length of the book serves it well in this regard because if the book was longer and you had to go more into explaining it it would just get a bit too complicated and it already kind of like there's this bit where they talk about a quantum bird that has flown out of this like weird lotus that they've picked up and i don't know how much of the quantum bird makes sense but i'll go along with it i guess so like it being there was an introduction to things going through going through particles it, it was basically in the book sense it was like an introduction to the th source of things you'll be seeing later in the book um i kind of agree with you it's a little odd but um just going back to like the length of the book i think it's the, the strongest aspect of this book is is its length i think it it has a story that it wants to tell and it takes exactly the amount of time that it needs to tell it it's actually one of the things that impressed me the most about it mm, it is it's oh so well edited it's so concise one of the many reasons i love it oh it's just such a good book there's only one bad thing about this book mm -hmm. and it's the thing that dates it <laughs> never <laughs> if you're making a video game if you're writing a book if you're writing a show don't put memes into it because it instantly dates it um, the, the opening of this book has two people talking over instant messenger and, uh, it's very, yeah, very, da very, very dated lead speak, very dated lead speak, <laughs> lead speak. Listening to tech, reading text dialogue in books is one of my favorite things. Cause you can, you can pinpoint almost the decade that these books were written just by how they do texts, but we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll touch on it again. feel about the characters because for me the characters are one of the strongest parts of the book i find them deep re deeply relatable okay um i'm not sure if i actually relate to any of the characters maybe the father um i would but the other characters not so much i mean i've never been a teenage girl uh so I couldn't really relate much there. And Gary's, like, far gone, even at the start of the book. And by that I mean he's, like, he's, um, focused. 
is very focused. Mm. And um, since I'm not focused on the same thing he is, I, I, I really relate there. Um, so yeah, not so much for me. Yeah, I was more interested in the things that were happening in the book as opposed to the characters. Fair. Um, I yeah. feel like Susan is one of the most realistic portrayals of a teenager that I've seen in a while. Um, especially, like, I don't have experience with family with disability, but I have heard lots of stories about teenagers who have been forced into carer positions by their parents or by just the necessity and who like feel resentment and a bit of FOMO, even though, you know, they absolutely love this person, but like they're, what's the word? Being parentalized. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And simultaneously, like Gary is a bit of a, bully he's quite manipulative but it's also really reasonable to like well not maybe not reasonable but like basically relate to why he basically uses his disability to get what he wants but like can you really blame him i guess is the statement right yeah because like all he wants is to be better again and there's this great paragraph where uh susan is talking about their power dynamics um, and she's like, he's got all the power because he's sick and um, every like I have to look after him. But he knows that I've got the power because I'm the one with the wheelchair. So it's a very, in- like as a sibling dynamic as well, it's really interesting. Um, and I just, I really, I really feel for these guys. Mm-hmm. And for Gary especially like if I could find a parallel universe where my life was perfect and I had nothing wrong with me maybe I would also go into a quantum garden jokes I wouldn't because I'm too terrified about it but the point of a magical solution is that it's all very tempting well you could go in and just not exist anymore so I probably wouldn't be going into the garden personally I don't know how many millennials on here would (laughs) really just want to go in and not exist that would be great Lisa is probably the least relatable character out of the whole thing because she's the one who's I'm not like other girls and that's her entire personality and to be fair she's only in it for maybe it's really only the first it's only the, like the first third of the book maybe first third and like the last About the last page yeah like, last page like. or so uh, um she's like very uh, i don't even know i don't know even know how to describe her oh wow i'm so smart look at how smart i am i guess i know all about cambodia yeah like <laughs> she's the wokest person alive man what do you think about luke and Schrody? um I am curious as to what they're doing. That I'm not 100% sure what uh, Luke's meaning, what like why he's there beyond A, introducing Shrody, and B, being like the wise foreign gardener. I think it's more to do with like the plantation stuff that comes up later. Um, he's kind of like a, a stay over from that sort of thing. The plantation stuff? Did I miss a complete part of the book? Well, yeah, I mean... Like, Susan's grandparent, like, they all... They're slave owners. Oh my god! I never realised that! That's the reason why their dad doesn't want them fucking around with that. Because he didn't want to go with them. Like, they all hate... The grandparents hate 
the son, or the middle, I guess, her father, Susan's father, because he doesn't want anything to do with this slavery bullshit. And so, like, he's kind of protecting Luke, almost. Like, Luke would be another person, another foreigner to come along to the plantation. Like, the dad's pretty based. I'm just fucking, what? Well, okay. <laughs> wow, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, is it, am I, am I wrong? I like, don't, I, I, I've never noticed. So the, the, the grandparents in their perfect world have, like, a whole bunch of people working for them. They don't do anything, right? They have a perfect little garden. It's just this space that exists. I don't think I don't even think it goes any further than the garden itself. No, yeah, something self-sustained. But how can you have your perfect life if, like, who's going to get your food? Who's going to do all your work for you? Well, we'll just we've got quote-unquote workers, but they're they're slaves. Like they made their perfect world, and this is what it looks like. And that's why the the three people are there, that that are there, the three grandparents. One of them is like the whole time Susan is there. Two of them are being dicks because they're just like, hey, we've got our perfect world. And the third one, like, the whole time is, like, guilty as fuck. Because, like, he's reaping the benefits of this, like, quote-unquote perfect world, but he's not happy about it. Like, he'll do it, but... Because, like, the opportunity's there, I guess? But, like, the whole time there, like, at least for me, he, he felt... He was... And that's why he helped Susan, because he felt so guilty about the things he'd been doing. Interesting. This is why I like doing the podcast because it gives like new perspectives that I didn't even consider. I thought that on this reread, I had discovered like something mind blowing that I'll talk about later, but it's not really compared to. Wow, I'm gonna have to read the book again after this. And I, maybe take I, note. I might have taken the wrong reading from it, but that's the. I mean, maybe, that's... but it is a. I'd say it's a valid reading. Actually, it kind of goes into what I'm gonna say later. Um... But yeah, that it makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So, like, that's what I mean when, like, it, like, the book gets dark. That's what I mean to me. It's just like, oh, suddenly this is about um, slavery. Hmm. Um, now, it might not be slavery, but it's indentured servitude. It may as well be the same thing, as far as I'm concerned. And it would explain why the garden's so huge. Like, the property is massive. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I. I have a garden that I can't control. I relate to that, but you, I was actually thought about your garden when I was reading this book. <laughs> My garden is a mess, guys. I cannot. Um, oh well, that takes out everything I was going to say about Luke because that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, he doesn't. I, I wish he got more of a talk. He doesn't do a lot. He doesn't do a lot. He doesn't except... really doesn't do a lot. He, all he does is. No, Gary. No, Susan. Don't do the thing. Don't take my cat. And he, his backstory is that he came from Cambodia, where fuck, what's going on in Cambodia at the time? Something's oh, going on at the time like, in the book. I don't know. I something. Yeah, I and remember. he's sending money home. Yeah. And yeah. So that's kind of Luke's part in it. I do really like him though, and he reads like he's. 80 or something, but he's actually closer in age to Susan and Gary than... Yeah, he's young as. Yeah, he's yeah. like 20 or something. Mm -hmm. Which makes it double sad, but... Mm. And Schrodinger's just cute. Yeah, he's a cute little... I, I, I don't know if they ever mentioned the colour. I always thought of it as like a tabby cat, like a ginger. Yeah, I always thought of him as a tabby too. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure it says it somewhere, but it was, the, the cat was very cute in my head. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that's about as far as my thoughts go on Luke. It just ties in to the greater narrative about the grandparents. takeaway from the book is that it's all about control and like trying to control your and maybe this is why I relate to it a lot because my past like mental health issues have all related around control and controlling my environment um so Susan's biggest fear that she reiterates throughout the whole thing is of being out of control She's afraid of the garden because she can't control where all the paths and shit go. She likes being in control of Gary's wheelchair because, mm-hmm. like, she likes that being her job and she can, like, dictate where they go. And she doesn't like it when, like, Lisa takes over the chair. She she talks a lot about controlling the chair for, like, the first few chapters. And she really does. Well, mm-hmm. And, like, she'll even... I mean, Gary can say whatever he... He wants but ultimately like and he does manipulate her but ultimately like if she wants to book it out of there which she does at one point she does she can because she has that control over the chair mm. uh and like the family in general is just full of kind of selfish people trying to take control of stuff they don't understand so all of the relatives in the perfect world fled from bad things uh, Great Uncle Arthur fled from the death of Aunt Caroline. Um, the grandmother, who I don't think they name, she self-publishes her books because she can't get anyone to publish them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the grandfather tries to get Luke in. Mum is constantly babying Gary and doing anything to help him get better at the not at the risk at the detriment to her own daughter. Uh, dad's constantly being secretive about the garden which just leads them to going out to the garden anyway mm-hmm. and then Gary controls Susan through manipulation and he just kind of expects this unpredictable thing to lead to him being better without caring about the consequences the, the entire first maybe half of the book I kept like screaming like in my head like what makes you think this will work I don't, I don't understand. And then I remember, like, oh, she's 14 and he's, six, he's 16. I think those are the ages. Um, maybe, I mean, they're just naive kids, I guess. But, like, why do you think? Like, I, I, I don't know what... I guess he's searching for anything and mm. he'll cling on to anything. And Susan's a bit younger and he, he kind of just convinces her. But the whole time, I'm just, I'm just thinking, what makes you think this will work? I don't understand. Because they're talking like it will. Like, of course it will. Now, if we want to get into it, if there's infinite infinite timelines, infinite exits, and infinite um, existences, then yeah, I guess there will be. But, I mean, good luck finding it. And then, of course, we, we have the ending of the book, but we'll get to that later. Mm. And I kind of have a theory as to why he thinks it'll work, but I don't know what, like, 
that'll never be confirmed unless there's a sequel, which at this point... It, it would only be... Something like this is perfect how it is. Mm-hmm. That would only be to the, to the detriment of the story, I think, if there was a sequel. And yet he really, really doesn't... Like, there's this point... Uh, I can't remember exactly where in the book it is, but um, Susan is like, hang on a sec. Um, if we enter the garden and then come back and people are different, does that mean we're in a different universe? And Gary's like, oh yeah, we've probably left ours. And doesn't even, like, yeah, blink. This is, like, what we talked about during Steins Gate. I was thinking about Steins Gate a lot when we read this. I, I suppose uh, some people that listen to this podcast um, haven't engaged in the media, and we, we kind of just talk about it. But um, if, if you'll allow me, I'll just go through, like, some major plot points here, just so just get people up to speed. Mm-hmm. So Gary's dying. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, weird stuff's happening in the in the in the garden it's it's more of a forest they just call it the garden and gary's convinced uh which is interesting because i have a big question mark here whether or not it's a loop but um he's convinced that going to the garden will fix it because quantum shit is happening Mm. there so go in one exit come out another sort of thing um and um throughout the story they go into this uh maze which i found was really cool you can only see the maze from like yeah you can only see it from the window you can only see it if you look at it from the right angle um but basically they keep going into this maze and coming out at different points and um because the maze is like super quantum it's like really easy to get lost in there and each time they come out they enter like a different reality where things are either better or worse or um things are just very different um it also works on a time scale so at one point they actually go back pretty far in time so it's actually pretty lucky that they end up in the right sort of time area as they do so many times but that's the general plot of the book would you say? Would yep. you add anything? No, that's that's the general plot of the book. Uh, and it's to fix he he Gary going in thinks he'll he'll get better. Yeah, I think I could be wrong, but I think it's implied that he has leukemia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like took the a, reading that he was dying. That, yeah. I mean that's that's the like that's all that really matters because that's what serves the narrative. Yeah, 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 and I I guess the whole story it's about control and it's about the unpredictability of life. And it's really ironic that this whole family, bent on controlling the whole world, tries to rein it in with an unpredictable science. Like, you couldn't have gone into medicine? Well, I mean, this is why, like, I, if I am to, to empathise and uh, be related, or be related, uh, feel any... Relate to? Yeah, the only character I feel like I really relate to is the, is the father. Because he sees through all this shit and he's just like, nah, it's not worth it. Don't fuck with this. And I don't think it's out of fear. I think there might be an element of fear there. He's just like, no, like, you can't just... This doesn't work. Um, you can't just hope to fix things. Because he knows everything that's going on. Mm. And he chose not to do it. And I'm, like, on Team Dad, like, all the way. I, I think he's, like, probably the, the, <laughs> the smartest and best character in the book. I suppose it does explain more why they stay on the property. Because... Uh, the... oh, imagine anyone else getting their hands on it. Yeah, and in, in the beginning they have a lengthy talk about, like, it's been in the family for years, it's like their spiritual home. So, of course they can't sell it. Of course they can't move to the city to get Gary treatment for the thing. 
Um, it's a means for their their family, and by family I mean the family name, to to prosper because they have unlimited options and can create pretty much any world that they want. At least the way that, that's the way they see it. I have a note. I have a I have a note here uh, with what you were talking about earlier. I wrote down life is cruel. Um, and next to that is ideas for the perfect world. I think what the dad understands and no one else gets is that I don't. It doesn't really matter how hard you try. Life is cruel. It's not going to be nice to you. The universe is unforgiving. Unless you're willing to do terrible things, you're not going to get that perfect world. All I can say to Gary is, it it sucks. I don't know what to tell you, man. Mm-hmm. Like, um, do your best. Fight for your life. But uh, like that you got the unlucky roll of the dice especially since when we consider the universes that they stay in because there's like some they can't stay in because they're still in it Mm -hmm. um but the ones they do stay in they've essentially stolen from another gary and susan uh because that gary and susan will have gone into the maze and they'll end up somewhere else and this is the part that we wanted to bring back up at some point I'm sorry, I know this is not a Steinsgate podcast, but this is the part we didn't touch on in Steinsgate that we mm. both wanted to, is... I'm so sorry if you didn't listen to the Steinsgate part. I'll make this as short as possible. Every single time Ocarin jumps into the mind of another Ocarin, what happens to the Ocarin that is left behind? Um, and you're kind of, like, stealing away other Ocarins as, like, lives and futures every single time that you do that. And that's it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to go any further than that. But yeah, the, the same thing's happening here. And I'm not not really sure you have like the right to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's an ethical quandary. Because only one person... Well, I mean, if there's infinite universes, it's not only one person. But in this scenario, only one person comes out on top. Mm. And even then, at the end of the book, nobody comes out on top. Nobody wins. Yeah. So it's just... There, there is no such thing as perfect world. There is no such thing as an uncruel existence. Yeah, for sure. And, like, the, the, the kids naively go in and think about the um, Quantum Garden like it's, like, a, a tool to fix things. Whereas the people who built it and the people who know about it are just like, no, no, you're not fixing anything. You're just creating... You can create a version, a cruel perfect world to live in. Um, and that's what the that's what the grandparents do. You know, the vibe of this reminds me so much of the end of Soma, mm-hmm. when you've spent this whole time in a game with main character's name, who I've forgotten, um, and he still doesn't get the the point of the game that he is like the copy of the person. So he, he he can't choose which is the better outcome. He just got the roll of the dice. Yeah. But he's the one who's stuck on the ocean floor. Have you seen The Prestige? Yes. So you you walk in and you either you're either the one that falls into the into the um into the water and drowns or you're the one that um you're the prestige. You're the prestige. And it doesn't really matter you lost the roll the the flip of the coin. I'm sorry. The one that's the prestige will always be the one that's the prestige, and the one that drowns will always be the one that drowns, and they'll die, and it won't matter at that point. The only one that matters is the one that's doing the prestige. So the version that goes on is always the winning one. It doesn't really matter. 
Um, I was also watching Invincible earlier, and there's a character that clones himself. And he makes it, but he specifically makes it so that he clones himself so that the other person also thinks that they're the real one. Because otherwise, like, <laughs> you have to think that you're the real one, because otherwise really bad things happen. And it's kind of just like, well, sorry, you lost the flip of the coin. It, you step into the machine and you're either the dead one or you're the, you're the alive one. That's the way it is. It's really... It's not weird to me that this is adult fiction, but this is weird to me that this is young adult fiction. Uh, because teenagers... Oh, wow. Can you... I was going to say, can you imagine being a teenager reading this? And then I'm like, I was a teenager reading this and now I've developed a fear of time travel, so... Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's a book that doesn't come around very often that really, like questions your morals at such a young age then again maybe i'm just a huge stand for williams later yeah i mean this is the only book i've never heard of him before so i find it interesting that in the book they're aware of a lot of weird things about the garden but because they're raised in that scenario they don't um they don't really question it so like what was the friend's name again lisa lisa when lisa comes over she's like well, what the hell? There's like a hedge maze out that window, and she and Susan's just like, oh yeah, you can only see it like casually, like yeah. oh yeah, you can only you, you you can only see it from this window, like it's there, but it's kind of not there at the same time. And then when she's saying it, like in in the text, when she's saying it to Lisa, she's like, oh wait, this sounds really weird, doesn't it? And this happens a lot of times, oh, well, a few times at the start of the book. I kind of like that, because they were raised in this environment. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's just that's just the weird garden, or that's just, like, the weird hedge maze. Mm. Um, One of the things that they explain away really early is all these foreign flowers start to grow. Like, the... <laughs> I feel kind of bad for Luke, because a whole field of, like, opium poppies start growing, and there's this whole section about of Luke being like, ah, oh, you guys better not mess with these because, like, they're opium poppy. I actually have a friend who made, like, opium poppy tea a while back. I'm curious. Um, I'd never... I didn't think about it till now. This might be a bit of a stretch. There's not enough in the text mm -hmm. to suggest this, but I'm just thinking about it right now. Th there's a chance that that's what's being grown in the quote-unquote perfect world to create to create drugs and sell them for for wealth i'm not sure they would need it though and that's the way that's why it would bleed into the garden yeah i mean because if, if if we know that things can move through space when it's quantum those types of plants bleeding into the other gardens works but there's not enough in the, t the text to suggest that's actually yeah, happening i i think it is a stretch but it's just something that popped into my head it's I mean, it, they're all really fucking old. They probably need something to, like, take I, away the arthritis. It would not surprise me. Mm. Like, <laughs> Good point. Um, but, yeah, they explain that away because they're like, oh, it just must have been carried away on the wind. These magical foreign seeds must have just been stuck on my shoes somewhere and now they've grown up overnight. Well, yeah, I'm curious. Well, that's that's kind of, like, what I mean. Like, I'm curious why they're there. I mean, they, they have to... If we're, if we're using the fact that quantum things can bleed into other areas, like, that works. I'm not sure things can just happen, like, purely randomly. Um, I guess that's possible, but... That is one of the questions that I did... Because they assert, in the end, that the garden has started to act all quantum -y because Gary's sick. I don't but know that how... doesn't sound... I don't know how they reached that conclusion no. at all. 
I think it's more likely it's happening because the parents have been talking about bulldozing the garden. But still, it's not like the garden, is it alive? Does it know that it's about to be demolished? Yeah, like... I don't, yeah, I don't know. They definitely make it seem like the garden has a will of its own, um, which may be the case, but there may also be something behind what's going on, i.e. the grandparents, but I don't know why... Like, there's not just there's just not enough there. Mm. And I, I like things being kind of open like that, because it's not really the story they're trying to tell, I guess. But, yeah, I get the same feeling you do. I would have preferred it being more open. Like, they don't connect it to anything. And if they did connect it to anything, why didn't they connect it to Schrody? Because Schrody is apparently the real Schrodinger's cat, um, and has a direct tie to the Quantum Garden, because he can, like, navigate it. Um, yeah, so... talk about, talk about uh, how Schrody works with the maze. So yeah, Schrody is the real Schrodinger's cat, take that what you will, um, and he knows the way, he knows the formula to get to the perfect world, which is why Schrody was left with Luke, so that mm-hmm. Luke could find a way to this perfect world if he so desired, um, and then could meet up with the great-grandfather. So yeah, Schrody just kind of intuitively knows his way around. Yeah, I guess that's the case. I mean, they're just, like, what are those stories of, like, animals, like, an animal gets left behind and people move away and somehow they, like, make their way there. No, that that mm. actually ever happens, but that's, like, that's the idea, right? I mean, that kind of makes sense to use a cat, then, yeah. as aside from Schrodinger. But also, this cat can read maths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they put a formula on the cat and the cat's just like, yeah, I'll just do it the opposite, I guess. That's... No, they put the formula on it, the mirror image of the formula. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's why I said yeah. the opposite. <laughs> Um, but basically, look, yeah, the way that, the way they keep going into this maze and getting back out is, like, the further into the maze and more quantum you get, the more, like, versions of you that exist at any particular time in space and time exist at once. So, I, I always thought of it, it kind of looked like static, like, um... Yeah, they describe it as, what, a blur of motion? Like, yeah. you start seeing double, and then you start seeing triple, and uh, then... Well, I would say double, then quadruple, and then... Yeah. Um, and so on and so forth. So, like, you would be walking down the path, but also in all directions around you, there'd be, like, depending on how far into the maze you are, infinite versions of you walking. I always thought of it like a big cloud. Yeah. Like a big static cloud. So their, their fear is, because uh, the further you go into the maze, the less you can navigate, because this is happening. And Schrody kind of, like, knows their way around. So they put Schrody on a leash and um, follow it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're, like, kind of going through the maze. Yes. I I really like Schrody. He's just cute. He's a cutie. He's a cutie. It's a, a very obedient cat. Yeah, I can't... Th- can you imagine Shiro trying to lead you through a maze? Uh, no, he'd, he'd jump over a, a wall and we'd never see him again, so... <laughs> oh, dear. So, we're coming up on the ending. Uh, and poor Gary, they've entered a universe where he's taken a turn for the worst and he's been sent to hospital and now Susan... Yeah, he's, like, gonna die. Yeah, he's yeah probably dead the next day. And Susan, he whispers to Susan, go and find the universe where I'm better. Mm-hmm. Um, make it to the good one for me. Yeah. So Gary's just out of the picture. All of this work for nothing. Well, I mean, he'll die, but another version that succeeded will be, have succeeded. That's the flip of the coin. It it's, uh, it's it makes me so sad because like, technically, at the end, Ga- Gary gets what he wants. They go to a universe where he's healthy, but it's not 
him. Yeah. It's not Susan's garage. So is Susan ever going to be happy there? Uh, well, who knows? I, this, this makes me wonder, because I actually don't know the answer to this. So, yeah, the end of the book, they go to a... Oh, no, we're in a world where Gary's going to die. Quick, go find one where I'm healthy. You'll have to go on your own. This is basically your last chance. Mm-hmm. She goes to the world where... Like, the, the perfect world, quote-unquote, the plantation. And she's like, well, this is fucked. Well, here's the formula that it took us to get here. Let's just do the opposite of that. Um, so she they do the mirror image of that formula she leaves and she enters a world where it's flipped um gary is perfectly healthy and uh, is dating lisa in this world and susan's the one who is sick and in a wheelchair or she's just about to be like this is the early days of gary's illness so i'm curious because i do not know the answer to this i i I could go either way on it and i want to know what you think is this a loop Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I've thought so long and hard about this. I have three different interpretations of this ending. My first one, this is the original, like, world. Like, like let's say this is our universe. Gary... Call it Prime. Call it Prime. Gary somehow lo- loses his memory of taking Susan through the garden, because if Susan's the sick one, she gets focused on the garden... But it's not enough to completely forget, which is why he's so pushy and develops a sudden sudden interest in the garden in the second universe. Don't know how Susan loses her memory of the... Oh, no, if Susan... Oh, I think I think I have an explanation to all that. Well, I'll go through okay, the rest yeah. of um, It also kind of makes sense because um, if Gary has leukemia and he's going for chemotherapy, there's this thing called chemo brain which does affect memory, but it's only seen in, like, a very small percentage of patients. So it's a possible, possible thing. My second interpretation was Susan just ended up in the wrong world because at some point they talk about the snow blurring the equation in the garden. So it could have been that she was going to her original world, but... She just ended up in a completely wrong run because Schrodi read something. And in a third interpretation, she doesn't meet her relatives, but she meets some other quantum relatives, and there's actually a whole bunch of perfect worlds in this scenario. Um, and they obviously wouldn't know if she's the original or not, so they send her back to their world instead of the one she's supposed to be going to. And then a fourth one is that this is all orchestrated by Gary because Gary is the worst. Okay, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> so I would, I would reject all of those, mm-hmm. um, only because I don't know why you think. On what basis is do you think it's going to her original world? Well, it. I, I don't think the for, the formula doesn't state anything about where she came from. Well, no, but I think what we're supposed to. The implication when she meets her relatives is that she's going to go to her world. But in reality, of course, we don't know that because stuff is uncertain. We, we have no idea what universe she came from. Yeah, we have no it idea what universe... It doesn't necessarily have to be the grandparents' prime, right? Um, I, I guess... So just to add my like fifth one on, I guess. Mm-hmm. And this, this is why I don't know whether it's a loop or not. Um... The reason I might think it is a loop is because Gary pops in and he's like, if this is a loop, 
Gary just went through everything Susan does in this book, but before this book started. And he's just like, we gotta get to that garden, because he knows it's quantum, and we know like he's gonna try to save himself. And they go all the way through, and he gets... Like, that version, he dies. And then, the, basically, if another book came right after this... Not even that. Let's imagine this book didn't exist, right? And now the end of this book is the start of the book that we just read. So then, so the only reason Susan knows everything about the garden is because she just went through all this bullshit, right? So she would coax Gary to go in. Mm. And then we would just yeah. loop again. There, there's, a, there's a truth about the universe where one of these kids needs to be fucking sick, pretty much. One of them's going to get sick and die. Um, kind of like, there's that... Um, well, that movie and book, The Time Machine. It doesn't matter how many times he tries to save his dead wife. It's just like, no, this is reality. You can go to 14 billion different timelines. She will die on this day at this time. You can't stop it. So it could be a thing like that. Um, and then they're just going... Because we, we know that the quantum stuff can actually shift them forward and backwards in time. So they could just keep going back a bit to like a start point. It... There's too many ifs in there, mm. but that's the reason why, like, when I was reading it, I had to ask myself the question, is this a loop or not? I am inclined to say that it is a loop. Uh, the only reason I would have stumbled on it is because, like, how does Gary forget? But, like, if you... Well, it's not that Gary. That Gary's dead. What? No, I mean, how, like, in the begin, like, wheelchair Gary, how would he forget the garden? But it would make sense if something like chemo brain was happening. But it that kind of Gary, only makes and that Gary was healthy. If we if we, if this is a loop, one book back, Gary was healthy, trying to help Susan, goes in and comes out sick, mm. and he so he knows he can become healthy again. Now he ends up dying, so we're like, we're losing a Gary and a Susan well, every yeah, other loop. But Gary, throughout the whole first bit of the book, Gary remains like kind of confused about the stuff he's doing. He, like it talks, oh, I suppose you're right. it talks constantly about he, how he's confused. So it would only work just, if he's suffering some memory loss from the quantum leaping or from chemotherapy. Yeah, and well, maybe yeah, maybe it's just a whole bunch of drugs and shit. Because mm -hmm. I guess if you were healthy going in and you came out all drugged up, that would be a very stark switch, right? So I can totally see that being the mm. case. Like, this is why I think the last line of the book is important because. They, uh, Gary's like, oh, something's up with your brain if you blah blah blah. And then Susan looks out the window, sees Schrody, and she says, my brain felt fine. Which perhaps implies that her brain is not going to feel fine yeah. later, which is where all the confusion started for Gary. Think about, think about this. Um, I'll, 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 I'll bring this back in. Uh, trust me. Um, imagine you, uh, woke up and we body swapped, right? So your consciousness went into my body and my consciousness went into yours. Would you be able to walk? Ah, good. So, mm. Because you're not used to any of my appendages. Um, they're longer, they're different sizes, different weight, different muscle mass. Um, you'll be able to move things, but I'm not sure you'd have control of the body enough to actually like get up and walk, Right. Uh, because it's so different. If so, and so if the if the if the if the person going into the maze is healthy and they come out extremely sick, 
um, I can see that completely changing the way that they like function, hmm. right? I can I can see that as an excuse. I don't well, no excuse as a plausibility. I don't know if that's the case, but it just makes me wonder about the ending. I'm trying to find. I haven't come to the conclusion, but if my conclusion is that it is a loop, I'm like looking for evidence for it. I'm kind of going backwards here, and that would be one thing. But there's not a lot to substantiate it. That's the problem. Mm. It would also make sense if, like, they left their body and consciousness behind when they went in the maze. Because, like, there's not a real... If if sick Gary goes into the maze and not sick Gary can come out... That's not the case, because they go to that party where there's two of them in the same place. Well, yeah, but then how does the universes where he does feel better work? Yeah, and that's I think that's a plot hole. So I was thinking about that. We were talking earlier, mm. and I was thinking about that. There should be no reason why he feels better when they go to another world. I'm curious as to whether maybe it's just a placebo effect. If, maybe this whole garden is pointless. Well, then there's, well, if that's the case, then Susan shouldn't get sick at the end. That wouldn't work. So I think they made a mistake by seeing another versions of themselves. They should be replacing themselves each time. That's the only way that story makes sense. I think this is actually a giant plot hole. Mm. This might be an oversight. Maybe it's not, and I'm just not understanding the book correctly. Totally a possibility. I think this might be an oversight in the book. They, they should never have seen themselves if they are physically being changed each time they go through. Representing, if they, if they enter a world where they're... Ex- 10% sicker or 10% healthier and it's reflected through their physical a physical change of themselves that's a reflection of the universe they're entering not of themselves mm. right it's it's a it's a condition it's a status effect on the on the on the world that they're going into if that's the case they re- they should be replacing those people not um they, they should never see them so i'm yeah. not sure how that works i have to say that's not the case for my brain to make the story work um, I can't see a way around it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think it is one of the mistakes of the book. But if there's only one, this is pretty good. If, if they're replacing themselves, I can totally see it being uh, a loop. Mm. But yeah, I'm not sure. Because it might not be. She might just, like, she got the bad roll of the dice and now she's sick. And that's just, and it's just, the book ends there. Like, they go forward. She probably dies to the illness and that's it that that could be it that could be as far as it goes oh another interesting point actually is the susan who she replaces quote unquote uh is already interested in quantum physics there's already physics books open in the study so oh, that's, that's that yeah actually that's a good point because my my question would be is why does gary give a fuck in the first place and my ex the what came to my brain immediately and what made me think is a loop is because he just went through it. Yeah. But then, yeah, why do they have, why do they have, why does she have all those, those books? I don't get it. Well, it's infinite possibility. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. I mean, to get me wrong, I'm like, I'm not sure how this works or whatever. This is my jam. Like, I'm fucking loving this. This is all fantastic. I'm being a little nitpicky trying to work out the um, preciseness of what actually happened. But in the end, it doesn't matter because the the conclusion of the story is, um, like, life is cruel. I'm sorry, you lost the roll of the dice, and now you're the sick one, and it's like a sad, morbid ending. Mm. And that's what ultimately I take away from it. All these 
nitpickiness and whatever is like cool my brain gets to mull over these things and that's like a fun little side effect but ultimately the ending of the book's fantastic uh you've already kind of answered this but would you go into the garden absolutely not not even if your wheelchair bound brother was forcing you to go in unless he tells your parents no way i have no idea it it it's it's all fun and games for these kids but I have no idea where or when I'll end up or what the conditions of those are. Like, we can work backwards from the evidence that we see um, after the fact here. I don't know whether I'm leaving the world behind. I don't know whether I'm creating... I don't know if I'm creating a new reality and there's only one and I'm changing things because that's what they seem to think is the case. Not until three quarters of the way through the book do they realize they're actually going to different universes as opposed to just, like, changing the parameters of the one that they're in. Oh, but Gary knows that from the start as well, which is more kind of evidence into the loop because he knows yeah. it, he just doesn't tell Susan. So, because I don't know the answers to any of those things, this is, like, the dumb, like, um, well, not dumb, but, like, it's like, oh, would you time travel and change something is like I have no idea what the ramifications of that would be. So no, of course not. I could I could destroy everything. Mm. No, no, nah. no, no, no way. Not even as a curiosity. I can see myself being bullied into doing it, but I would not go willingly. <laughs> Again, I really relate to Susan because, like, I don't know. I just do, and yeah. But no, this book made me so terrified to do any quantum fucking anything so no way well good news you don't have access to any of it so. <laughs> yes good good uh and one last question from me uh which you've already partially answered do you think this holds up and or will hold up in the future besides the again the thing that dates it um this this is this is basically a timeless story um it's kind of interesting if we if we take the slavery read on it, um, which I'm, uh, man, that's why I like talking about and sharing media because the fact that like I took something like that away from it and you didn't is really interesting because maybe I was just like looking too much into it. Like who knows? That's like a because I just said it's timeless. Besides that, I guess like with enough time that wouldn't be like relatable, right? Because we would have moved so far away from that. It's kind of like um, like Seinfeld is like a timeless show. And it could only exist when it did. Because the moment cell phones come into the picture. Like all of their problems are solved. Um, and that's why it's so relatable. Because it's just people interacting. Right? Yeah, no. I think, I think the super holds up. I love its length. I like short, concise, powerful stories. And I think that's what this is. I think this is actually like a fantastic pick. Yeah, I mean for me this took what? Two hours? Yeah, it's not a long read. Three. Yeah, it's not a long read. Um, and yeah, I agree. It 100% holds up. The texting is cringe, but that's I still kind of love it for that. Uh, and it's just too much leet speak. Like if they <laughs> if they'd replaced like you with you and stuff like that, that'd be fine. Like little little shortenings and abbreviations of words. It's it's that every like 80% of the words are abbreviated. It's like hard to read. Like I spent giant fucking nerd i spent my entire life on the fucking internet i still had difficulty reading those sentences it's definitely like what does a parent think their child writes like yeah that's exactly what's going i think they don't they shorten parents to rents rents yeah (laughs) 
Not even rents, just runts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, no, it was a it was a super good pick. Have you have you read any of the William Slater's Slater's other work? I have not, but only because I haven't been able to find it in the library. As soon as I can get my hands on any of these other books, I will be reading them. The Boy Who Couldn't Die looks fantastic, mm-hmm. and I desperately want to read it. That's one I like mentioned out to you because I saw it at the end. Like you know how books have mm. advertisements for uh, other books at the end. Uh, I saw that, and the the title grabbed my attention. And, like, he's, he's actually a pretty popular author from what I've seen on Goodreads and all of that, but no one's ever heard of him. Yeah, I've never heard of this book. Yep. yep. It's just like Interstate 60. It's one of these things that are pretty critically acclaimed, but nobody knows about it. Yeah. I'm glad it was brought to light in the last universe. <laughs> Joel, out of ten weird lotuses, how much would you rate this book? I mean, I just straight give it a ten. I mean, the, like the conciseness of it, the the impact of the story. Um, I mean, inject morbidity into my veins is always like, like just just do it. I fucking love stories like that. Yeah, I'm on like I'm with team base to dad, and the the story. Yeah, this is a great story. You sit down with an afternoon with it. You sit down with a coffee on an afternoon and read this in a couple of hours and just like feel good about your life. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good story. Feel good about your life or feel terrified at the implications of space time. <laughs> sure. I also give it a 10 out of 10. I'm so glad you liked it because, again, yeah, yeah. this is one of my absolute favorite books. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking about it. I wish I had more notes because there's. It's just too short to say too much on, but it's big enough that you just want to talk about it. It's so good. I highly recommend everyone goes out to read it. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, like, listen to this podcast. Like, it's my guess that most people don't interact with the thing and they just hear the discussion on it. That's how most people listen to podcasts as it is anyway, which is absolutely fine. I mean, mm. I can go for it. But I will say, if you can get your hands on this... Um, again, it's like a two-hour read. Just, just read it, okay? Um, um, I mean, we've talked about the things that happen, but absolutely go in and, and pull out your, your own meanings from it. Mm. See if you can find this plantation stuff. I'm very interested to see if other people have actually picked up on that. I'm going to scour some reviews when I get back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I couldn't find any, like, school reviews like in-depth critical reviews that weren't just synopsis. I couldn't find fucking anything for this book. Really? Yeah, no. That's a, that's a shame because no there's a lot bigger here. discussion. There was even a study guide and the study guide had nothing in it. There's a, there's a lot here in this like there's a lot to unpack. Like this will be one of our shorter episodes, but like again, this is like a 2-hour read. There's a lot to unpack in this like cute little book. Do you, do you know mm. what I mean? Like I'm surprised you know, there's not like breakdowns or people talking about it. Yeah, you know. so much. There's, you know, you've got, there's just so much to talk about with this. You've got discourse around disability, around coming of age, around quantum physics, around uh, just so many things. And no one's talking about it. Ugh. And it was in my school library for fuck's sake. That's where I found this That's book. That's where you stole it from. <laughs> yes, apparently I stole it from a Muslim college, everybody. Yeah, they stole it first, and then <laughs> you stole it. <laughs> I bought it fair and square off Book Depository. Don't at me, police, please. 
All right. Julia. Julia Jam. Here's my nomination. All right. I'm going through a lot at the moment. I need something short. Something easy. Well, it's not going to be easy. I feel like we'll talk about this a lot. Ooh, all right. I'm going to nominate... Your Name, uh, 2015 film by Makoto Shinkai. Um, I don't want to go too much into detail about it, but hey, we mentioned the body swapping earlier on the podcast. Mm. Time for a good old body swap story. Good opportunity. I have been meaning to watch this for a while. It's been on my Netflix list for yonks. Mm -hmm. Good time to watch it. Yeah. I can't wait. It sounds like a great nomination. If you would like to get involved in Jelly Jam Spam, contact us on our email, jellyjamspampodcast at gmail.com. You can send in recommendations, reviews, or just say hi. Tell us what you like about the show. Yeah, and you send in critiques, or maybe you read The Last Universe and you'd like to give your reading on it as well. Like, we'll read it, and we'll read it out on the show as well. So please, please email. Next time on Jelly Jam Spam, Julia becomes a weeb. Ah oh, man, not again. See you next time. See ya. Fighting my big toe. I was at his hands. His hands are around my heel, <laughs> but at, right at the tip of my toes is where his mouth is. He's chomping on my little pinky toes right now. What was that? You're making noises. Discourse about disability. Discourse about the journey of love. Self. Fuck. What's it called? Self determinism. I don't, I don't no, know. No, the. Growing up journey. Oh, um, there's a term for it. Yeah, no, I. God damn it. Um, now you've made me forget it. Fuck. Google is your friend. Coming of age. Ah, okay. Starting again. <laughs>